Now, a child advocacy group is underwhelmed by an independent report into the death of Malachi Zubex, saying it's unaspirational and minimises the urgent call to action. Dame Karen Potasi released her findings yesterday on the failings of six agencies that made Malachi invisible and which led to his murder in November 2021. There were 14 recommendations. The government has not taken up the key ones, including mandatory reporting of suspected child abuse for anyone tasked with their protection and vetting proposed carers when a sole parent goes into prison. Voice Whakarongo Mai advocates for children in care and its chief executive Tracy Shipton spoke to me earlier. I was underwhelmed by the report, to be honest, and a little less underwhelmed with the recommendations, but still I felt like it was an underwhelming report. Can you explain why it was underwhelming? When I read it, it felt to me like a bibliography of other reports that spelt out one thing, and that is that children just keep dying in this country at the hands of adults. And the more and more I read into that report, everyone just became a spectator in this horrendous blood sport. That's what it felt like to me. In terms of those recommendations that Dame Karen made, uh, specifically around mandatory reporting as well as vetting carers uh, of those who are sole parents who go into custody, are you in favour of those recommendations? The strangest thing about this is Surely we have mandatory reporting now. That's what we all understand we have. And I saw that there were some definitions around how and who to report to. Are you kidding? So everyone has a responsibility to report abuse in this country. That's what we should be doing. I don't know. It just made no sense to me. And in terms of that vetting essentially uh, raised in regards to what was happening in the family court and at court as a whole of sole parents having their carers to be assessed, will will that address any of the issues that this report raised? Or will that just result in in more tamariki, unfortunately, tamariki Māori as well in the state system? I don't know. I I felt like, like that was definitely a gap. The, the lack of uh, vetting of uh, non-kin family. That's probably the biggest issue for me. When I read this report, I was struck by several things. The voice of that young person was never, ever heard. Malachi's voice was just, it was nowhere. And that would have made a difference. There were opportunities to get his sense on where he would like to be. And the other was the voice of the whānau wasn't there. And that's a natural form of advocacy. To have whānau speaking, they spoke at every opportunity they had to speak up about that young person's safety needs and their willingness to take that family on, to take that child back into their family. I am appalled that someone who was not related to that child got to have him placed with them without any vetting. I mean, there was one visit, um, as I could ascertain. It, It just life logic to me. Mm. One of the things that was raised was around the multi-agency communication as as you've just identified, massive breakdown in, in that lack of communication. However, take away the health records, everything else and all those agencies have the power and the means to be able to communicate with each other and access each other's information as well as now partnering with NGOs and iwi. That was a recommendation. That's already happening though and like you say, underwhelming in the fact that 
actually the devolution of power is an issue to Māori is an issue that's been raised for a very long time. I guess those things are already in place. So what actually needs to change in the systems for there to be outcomes immediately and long term? Well, I think a couple of things that that came through in, in both of the reports, the Oranga Tamariki report and um, Jane Karen Patasi's report, the compartmentalisation, that people take care of what is in their business and not in someone else's business. And there was a stopping point. No one's pushing through and trying to link things up. And there was obviously opportunities to do that. But that's that somehow doesn't just sit with departments either, it sits with society. There were a whole lot of other people out there who saw things happening for this child and no one actually knew who to go to or didn't go to them and no one actually pushed through until they got a result. It was pretty horrible reading. I saw the quote twice in there that he was invisible because he was not invisible. He was like a neon light. Every single symptom was there, but nobody spoke to him and nobody took seriously the Farno's voice. They were completely pushed out of all the planning around this child. So the answer to what the future looks like and devolution is we have communities and families around people and we need to be engaging with them in a way that works for them, not that works for the system, but that works for Farno, that works for children. And we need children's voices at the centre of this. If somebody had have asked him, we know he would have chosen something different because everything about what he did get to say to individual people when they questioned him about things was a warning sign. How frustrating is it to see yet another report with similar recommendations, but yet, unfortunately, we are still reporting and seeing these sorts of horrific stories? How frustrating is it? It's a human life. And I keep thinking about this five-year-old child and thinking that he had, for all intents and purposes, a beautiful life ahead of him. And it's not just a system that let him down. It's an entire thing. We have a terrible culture of abuse in this country. I listened to the minister this morning talking about the impact that will happen with mandatory reporting and looking at how we're going to manage it. Why? What's, what's the piece that's underneath that? And that is a culture of abuse. And what? Do we just, have a, do we just decide, actually, if it's low-level abuse, then that's going to be acceptable? Or how dare we? How dare we serve our tamariki like that? It's disjointed, we have disjointed systems and we have breakdown in our responsibility to each other as humans. And I just don't think being sad about it is enough anymore. We need to be mad and we need to be mobilised to do something different as a whole society, not just our government departments. What do you make of the government's response? Actually, some of the Oranga Tamariki report I read, I, I found hopeful and aspirational. There were some things I found just bittersweet, using the voice of a child after a child has died. It's not ever going to be acceptable, not to me and not to any of the people we represent as a care experienced organisation who advocates for children in state care. You have to hear their voice when they're here to tell it. So that was a disappointing aspect for me. It was 
I thought, a creative way of making sure that that voice got some traction. It's too late. But some of the recommendations were better. I mean, the, the looking at the caseloads and looking at backlogs, all those things make sense. Did a child have to die for us to know that? Well, that's what was spoken about a lot yesterday and, and this morning around that all of these things, and like you've already said, have up, have been put in place or aren't in place for a reason. So it, it just seemed quite unaspirational. Yeah, I mean, that was the word. You know, I spoke to some care experienced young people from our organisation and I asked them, just tell me what you thought of the report. One of them said to me, it is really hard to believe this was written about a child, about a tamariki from Aotearoa. It was very hard to believe that that happened here because we talk about how we are family-centred. We talk about how we have community response. It was like reading about a country that has no developed systems. Now, that came from a young person. And I, I just felt quite blown away by that comment. If our young people don't feel that that report offered anything aspirational, and they, we all feel the same, it's a reflection on all of the travesties, and it hasn't stopped any of them happening again. They're not even slowing down. The cases aren't slowing down, you mean? No, and, and child deaths. I mean, children are still dying in this country at the hands of adults. And so many people know it's happening around them. No one really knows what to say. Well, it's time to wake up. I mean, we have to challenge our society. We cannot put all of this in government department boxes. They're operated by human beings as well. Mm. You know, I felt I felt quite shocked too when I saw that the childcare centre at the centre of this was closed down, and there were uh, steps taken in place to make sure that they didn't operate. Huh. What do we do about government departments where children keep dying? We don't close them down. We hope that they will come up with something different. And so far, no. So you've got an independent children's monitor. How are they going to do this? How are they going to ensure that young person's voice is at the centre of it? How are they going to hold the government to account? Those are the questions I'm really interested in. Mm. Should we shut down these agencies? Or that's been called for by many advocates uh, over the years for Oranga Tamariki to be shut down and rebuilt. I mean, they tried to do that with renaming it, but obviously that, that didn't happen. I think they did a little more than rename it. Like, I, I have to defend that slightly. They mm-hmm. did a little more than rename it because the organisations such as Voice Whakaronga Mai, we exist because of some of those those changes. So that is, in my view, a really positive. And we're not the only the only aspect. There's other other systems that have been put in place to support tamariki and rangatahi. But should they have done it? You know what? It's not it's not working particularly well. But the devolution to the community may be the answer. That's where I feel we've got our richness. Mm. If we can just really support it and resource it well, you're always going to have a regulatory body. You're going to need that. and But stop giving all the power of decision-making to the regulatory body. That's your backstop. Your community can do this. Like, we can do this as a community. I know it. Mm. And I feel really strong, particularly for Tamariki uh, Māori. That's where you're going to get your communities actually engaging and taking care of, of their people. And I, a state is never going to do that as well.
So we are moving in that direction. Like I see as a country, we move in that direction. Oranga Tamariki is moving there. It's just a slow, it's a slow ride. Yeah. You're seeing the devolution happen in the community, you know, on the front line, and you're you're seeing that it is it is working in the flesh. I think it's slow, and I think it's, um, you know, you run a risk because the community's not joined up either. You know, this the whole way that the state care system has operated in the last sort of 20-odd years, it, it's, it's reflected in that report. It's compartmentalised. This one does this. Communities don't operate like that. They operate in a more cohesive way, and, and I'm looking forward to that. But it is going to take a while, and this transition period is critical particularly around child safety.